How would you like to build more trust, create candor in your relationships, and energize those around you? We'll be talking about that and much more with Keith Ferrazzi, author of Leading Without Authority, on the Blanchard Leader Chat podcast, starting right now. Welcome to the Blanchard Leader Chat podcast. Hi, this is Ken Blanchard. We need a new leadership model in business today, one that values both people and results, where leaders see their role as serving instead of being served. In this podcast, my friend and colleague, Chad Gordon, interviews experts who help us explore different aspects of leadership. I know you'll be encouraged and inspired by what you hear, and you'll walk away with ideas and insights that will help you be the type of leaders others want to follow. Ready to get started? I'll be back at the end of the interview where I'll share what I've learned and how I'll be putting it into action. Now enjoy this installment of the Blanchard Leader Chat Podcast. Keith Ferrazzi, welcome to the Blanchard Leader Chat Podcast. I am so excited to be here. I'm such a big fan of y'all's. Well, it's, it's great. It's a, it's a mutual admiration uh, society here. I appreciate uh, your writing. I appreciate your research. And I'm really excited to talk about your newest book, Leading Without Authority. What drove you to kind of dive into that and make where you wanted to make your focus right now? You know, for 20 years, I have been battling the existence of a set of behaviors and a set of frustrations in large organizations that have really not been serving leaders and not been serving shareholders. I'll give you a few of them. Um, 71% of teams claim that they do not have permission to speak candidly and openly in their team meetings. 74% of teams claim that they do not get creative, innovative value from being a part of their team. In other words, they, they get the value of all the innovation by doing the work, and then they plug it into their team. Um, only one in five leaders say they have a dream team. So the challenge over the last 20, of ye- 20 years is that we have been living in a world of a matrix And I don't mean uh, Keanu Reeves. I mean, you know, divisional and functional matrixed organizations. And prior to that period of time, more and more, you know, the Italian practice of a company had everything they needed. They had it HR, they had marketing, they had supply chain, purchasing, et cetera. Then all of a sudden we came along with these sophisticated systems and we allowed centralized control of certain things that would cut across the P&Ls. And for 20 years, we've been battling who has control and authority. And the reality is that the amount of time that leaders spend battling control and authority is stealing from value creation. And if they could put that time into a new set of behaviors, which is learning how to co-create, if they could learn how to be the kind of leaders that co-elevate, that that have a mission, but invite people in to co-create and to go higher together. 
that that is true leadership today. You know, I wrote a book that many people know called Never Eat Alone, which is about networking. It's not a surprise that the individual who wrote the book about networking, that was the consummate book in the last 20 years on that topic, now wakes up and we are the leaders in helping organizations understand how to work in networks. And that's what leadership is today. So you, you bring up the, the term co-elevation. And so that, that could be a new term for some of our listeners. How do you define that? Yeah, it's co-elevation is a, is a commitment, a, t- a group of individuals. And I, I, I read, I'm reticent to use the word team because the word team is loaded with so many beliefs in terms of its correlation to org charts because work doesn't happen in org charts anymore. Co-elevation recognizes that I am affiliated with a group of people and we as a collective are trying to get something extraordinary and transformative done. And you can call me the leader, um, but in my mind, I am the host, I'm the servant, I'm the Sherpa, but I'm an individual that is working hard to get the most out of this group of individuals so we can achieve extraordinary transformative things. And as a result, we are committed to the mission. If we're co-elevating, we're committed to the mission. But you know what? We also have to be committed to each other. In in an authoritative, control-oriented mindset, your vision and your direction comes from the top down. Your feedback comes from the top down. When a group of peers are trying to create something extraordinary, then you need to redesign the contract among the peer group, because you don't get your feedback today from your peers. You don't take your direction from your peers. The traditional model of downward is no longer relevant to the way we work. We've got to reinstitute, renegotiate, or what we call recontract the social contract among peers, which is so important in a co-elevating networked work world. And so Adam Grant, which many of us know, uh, read my book, Never Eat Alone, a number of years ago when he was a graduate student and got him interested in, in studying the subject of generosity and whether generosity yielded good or, uh, or, or insignificant leadership traits. And he found that, in fact, generosity was critical to strong leadership. He comments on this book now that he's become a big shot. He comments on this book, Leading Without Authority, is it's the first manual for an individual to navigate the networked world that we're that we're living in today and be a leader in that networked world. Looking forward to kind of diving into, as I like to say, kind of mechanize um, some of the ideas within the book. But before we, we dive right there, I'd like to just pose kind of a topical, timely question for you. Where do you see the importance of empowering yourself, leading yourself, bringing your brain to work? It's it's so much more amplified now. And I say now because we're recording this at the end of July 2020, things are different. So how is it now even more important for you to take control? Yeah, look, I, I, I'm not, I'm going to defer the question of importance for a moment. And I'm going to introduce a slightly different phrasing of the question, which is what a beautiful opportunity because of all yeah. of the need. Right, we are in the middle of a hurricane of change and transformation. In the last four months, we've seen more transformation. At the same time, we've seen more disruption. 
than we've probably seen in 10 years and maybe 20. And with that, to need people to step up and identify their opportunities for leadership because it's, it's all hands on deck. Yeah. Leaders, we need more, not fewer. And secondly, if you are an, and I was, I was going to use the word ambitious, but if you're an individual who wants to serve mightily the mission of the company, you have a broad uh, ad, uh, invitation today to in fact step up and be a leader. So in times like this, um, there is lots of opportunities to break through the traditional hierarchy and to lead. I don't think any company is going to hold you back today if you step up and say, you know, I have been noticing some trends in the marketplace for our critical uh, product, and I would like to have a conversation as to whether or not our product still fits in the marketplace based on some of the data that I've seen or some of the uh, attributes that I've seen shifting. I don't think anybody's going to not listening to you. So there's wonderful opportunity today to cross out of your swim lane or your hierarchy and begin to become a leader. And so I would say, welcome aboard the leadership train uh, at a time like this, um, more the merrier. Yeah, I've, I've been been sharing. I mean, the, the Blanchard organization is a global organization, but a, but a small organization. And we've very much been affected by, by what's going on. And I think where, where I've woken up every day and tried to energize myself is to say, it's, it's, it's good to be a generalist right now. It's good to have your, your hands in a lot of different things. It's good to try to create things, bring some ideas to the table, sell your own solutions, do what you can do. So it sounds like you're kind of saying the same thing in terms of the opportunity right now. This is when people can step up and be seen during a very tumultuous time. Where can I help? That's the, that's the, uh, that's the opportunity today. Where can I help? Perfect. So let's dive into leading without authority. So if, if, uh, if I put on my leader hat now and I think about, okay, so we can, we can actually create, can, can, can we create a, an environment? Can we create a culture that fuels this? What, what would organizations do from your perspective? If you're going into advise organizations, what can leaders do to kind of really make people want to thrive by leading themselves, empowering themselves, bringing their brain to work each and every day and not just be led? Yeah. And, and let me suggest that the opportunity isn't just organizational. Um, it's individual. I've always tried to write my books, not from the organizational perspective, um, but from the individual perspective, because organizations don't succeed. Organizations don't change. Organizations don't transform. People do. And so this book was written for you, the listener, to uh, step up and to lead in a different way that's called for today. And whether you currently have positional authority or not is irrelevant. Um, this book was written for both of you, very, very tactically. I had two avatars in my head as I was writing this book every time. Somebody who did have positional authority and might have been asking themselves, how do I gain more authority in order to be more transformational or the individual who didn't have any positional authority waiting for being granted positional authority to become transformational on behalf of the organization. So the book is written for both. Um, the first thing that, that I would say, there's a, there's a mindset shift and a practices shift, just like anything else, mindsets and behaviors. Because the mindset conversation is, uh, I phrase it a little differently. I call it a recontracting. I think we need to start talking openly about some of the ways we think about each other, some of the ways we think about work. And I think 
think we need to uncloak some of the ways that we work that don't work. The first chapter of the book um, says that, that we need new work rules for a new work world. We need both for the sake of change management and execution, but also for the sake of rethinking things from a fundamentally different way. We need to, we need inclusion. You know, we always talk about diversity inclusion. We need to include diverse opinions in our collaboration in order to be extraordinary and breakthrough. Now, in the olden days, I think people more and more, when I walk into an executive team, and that's what we do, we coach teams. Um, when we coach teams, I often walk into teams and individuals are reticent to bring their problems to the team. Um, they feel that it's their job to get it done and they've been given a job and they don't want to burden the team with their problems. Um, or they might even feel that they don't want other people in their shorts. In other words, they don't want to have other people telling them what to do or hijacking their authority or decision-making, right? Yeah. So there tend to be a lot more siloed collaboration. And then we practice this thing called buy-in, where we've baked an idea and now we're going to go sell it to people. Well, that is subpar to the openness and curiosity to say, we're going to create an idea that we could have never created ourselves. We're going to invite a bold set of decisions and ideas into the room while doing it. We want to rough up our ideas and rough up our thinking. And we're going to come up with something that's so darn transformational that, that we'll really be able to get out ahead of the market, not just try to survive and, and catch up to it. Right. And so to do that, um, we're going we're gonna to practice collaborative problem solving. We're going to have a whole different mindset of, of a number of things. We're going to have a different mindset as to who's our team because our team no longer is the group that reports to us and then we're going to sell to a bunch of folks our ideas. No, those people we used to try to sell our ideas to are on our team. So we're going to think about them. We're going to enlist them. We're going to engage them. We're going to activate them. We're going to embrace them. We're going to love them up. We're going to prop them up. We're going to bring them into the under the tent, right? That is a different philosophy. That's a different mindset. So, so we've, we've created a tool that is, is called recontracting that a person has to have. That's a, it's a set of dialogues and questions that they have to have with people that begin to unveil that our old assumptions of how we worked and how we came to great conclusions really were failing us. But then we need to start giving them some practices so that they can start getting a taste of it. And so I, I would say that the two big shifts we want to bring to the world of leadership today is that we need to spend much more time in collaborative mode. That's number one. Right? And there's lots of, lots of practices that I can talk about that, that you can start implementing in your meetings tomorrow that put you into more collaborative mode. The second thing is uh, an aggregate, is we need to start shifting this mindset of authority, feedback, accountability coming from on high. And we need to start embracing that that is actually can be shifted to peer-to-peer -peer as well as from uh, authority on high. So we need to shift that mindset that we own each other's success. In fact, I always say that a co-elevating team crosses the finish line together. What do I mean by crossing the finish line together? You're done with your job. You've, you've marketed the product. You've, you've got the insights. 
you're, you've got all the advertising, you've got the, the sales support material and collateral, and you've handed it off to the sales organization and you're waiting for the, for the, for the output, right? But so often I hear battles between sales and marketing. I used to be a chief marketing officer myself. So often we hear battles between sales and marketing around why one or the other is failing the other. Right? And, and that is unacceptable because the reality is that if I'm ahead of the game and sales is struggling, then my job is to go back there and to be a coach, to be a resource, to be a partner. And let's co-create how we're getting sales forward. And it might've even be that we need to change some of the marketing or we need to change some of the product. I might need to volunteer as the chief marketing officer to reallocate some of my uh, budget from advertising to events or meetings or even hire a couple of new sales reps. Um, these are not typically relinquishing resources for your peers uh, proactively is not typically a, uh, an element of most leaders. But it is if you're co-elevating and you're crossing the finish line together. So this idea of recontracting becomes so crucial that we realize that there is a different level of integrity. There are different set of values that we're going to embrace and celebrate, not just individual success and, import, and, 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 uh, uh, and performance, but collective success and performance. So one of the things that uh, a couple of takeaways for me on that, uh, and, and I'll say this just to say, I, I doubt you'll name drop me on the next podcast like you did with Adam Grant, but, but your last book or not your last book, your, your most famous book, uh, Never Eat Alone has had such a profound effect on me at a time oh, when you. I thought, you know, there was a time I thought networking was kind of a slimy, dirty thing. And you've really let me understand the value of the relationships. And what I just heard you say in that, in the second segment of you just talked about is, is a lot about stepping up to help out create those relationships, enhance those relationships, be there for each, each person. We is better than me. So I appreciate Amen. that. And it's been very helpful for me in my career. So thank you for that. Let's, You're welcome. let's dig and, and in. By the way, yeah. I, I want to, can I stay on this for a second? Yeah, absolutely. The reality that we blew off the cover of networking and we said, it's not about slimy. What can I get? Yeah. What can I get out of you? Or passing business cards out with one hand and a martini glass and the other. And we want you to elevate people. We want you to be authentic and even vulnerable with the people around you so you can build those deep, loyal relationships. You, you hear those same themes in leadership today? That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Particularly if you don't have positional authority to rely upon. That's the change here. I was a great networker when I was a young man, but, and, and, I, and I, without authority, because I used the same skills of networking to earn my way into a leadership position at Deloitte and become the youngest chief marketing officer and youngest elected partner ever in the history of the firm. Because I networked my way, served yeah. my way, earned my way into leadership. And then I went over to Starwood. And as a young man, I was so happy to finally have authority because I was the chief marketing officer over there by authority. I had the budget. I had the title. And I exercised it with reckless abandon. And I watch myself now and cringe mm. at the naivete and the and the and the um, and the puerile behavior of myself as a, as a leader with authority. That I don't believe I served the role as well as I could have. Now I had lots of excuses. We we're building a global brand, blah blah blah. And I tell the story in the book quite humbly. But 
You know, I see leaders all the time today, truly, truly um, breaking their their bond of fiduciary responsibility out of self-serving uh, nature. And it's it's something that they have fought for for 20 years to gain this control and authority, and they don't want to let it go. And it's a real shame. Yeah, it 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 uh, a humbling story uh, in the book, obviously, and and uh, but one that you you grew from, and uh, and and here we are now with uh, with your success and where you've gone, and and now you're out leading organizations, you're helping teams, you're helping organizations uh, um, thrive um, in many different ways. So you said a moment ago um, that we could take some of these things in action, and that's always one of the the takeaways I hope from the Leader Chat podcast is to let's mechanize some of these ideas. And you you also I'll challenge you to to uh, to share with us. I've got or meetings tomorrow. Too. Yeah, yeah. I've got I'll meetings. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've got, I've got Go meetings tomorrow um, at, at, at all different levels. We're virtual now, so things are different, right? Um, no. How can I show up in a better way? How can I show up in a different way? Um, how can I show up where, um, even though I'm not in a position of authority, um, maybe I'm leading a team because it's a it's it's a, a cross matrix team. Um, what can I do differently? Yep. So one would be difficult to to get into on this call, and I'm going to leave you with a document at the end of this call. Um, you can get it at uh, keithfrazi.com forward slash leader chat. Surprise, surprise. Such respect for you. We've created our own, your own, our own. I love it. I love it. So there's two things we need to do. One of them is I want you to walk into the room tomorrow and I would like you to start to have a different conversation and make it very transparent that you could even ask the question as broadly as this, which is what are some of the behaviors we've been practicing that might be holding us back? from really squeezing the most juice out of all of us in this room, in a re- particularly in a remote environment. So many of us um, hear one or two voices on these calls and meetings and not the whole collective as a group. And we've got to start recontracting with each other that we're going to work hard to extract the wisdom out of this team And in fact, maybe even bring even more people in because the great thing about remote is that we could even be broader and more inclusive because people don't have to travel. You know, people can drop in for 10 minutes, right? So inclusion becomes a very powerful opportunity, but I want you to recontract that. Hmm. It would be difficult for me to to give you the instruction for the whole recontracting. So I wanted to give it to you as a a takeaway from this. And so we actually got so excited, we created a, a standing giveaway for you at keithfrazi.com forward slash leader chat, because we wanted to give it to this team now, but in there, you're going to find some instructions on how to have that dialogue, right? So one of the things I want you to start thinking about for tomorrow is what are some of the rooms where you might be able to raise your hand and say, gosh, could we get more value out of rethinking how much interdependency we're squeezing out of each other? Now, the next step is to maybe give them a taste of a practice of what that would look like. I'll give you a couple of ideas. Um, One of them is you could say to the team tomorrow, you know, what questions that if we really spent more time chewing on as a team, we would really make some advancement in our progress. What are the questions that are, 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 are holding us up? What are the questions that we really need to crack the code up? You could ask it in a different way. You could ask, what are the what are the risks associated with the work we're doing together? Or you, could, you know, or you could say, 
do we all know what the top two or three hills are that we're trying to take? What I'm doing is I'm asking bold questions that I would love in most instances to really squeeze an understanding of what the whole team's thinking, right? You think about those in advance for each of your meetings. But then what you do in the meeting is say, instead of having an open dialogue, I would like to use the breakout function in our, in our technology. So if you're in Zoom rooms or Microsoft Teams or whatever you happen to be using, say, we're going to push a button now, and I'm going to put you all in groups of two or three. And in groups of two or three, I want you to chew on that question. And when you come back and you pick the time, five minutes from now, 10 minutes from now, 15 minutes from now, whatever you think is that, that, that is needed to chew on that question, when you come back, I would like to have you have bold, candid input back to us of what the answer is. Now, here's what happens in that little tiny moment. First of all, you've paused and you've called for collaboration. We don't often call for collaboration as leaders, right? Second thing you've done is you've built psychological safety by changing the structure of the meeting. In big meetings, people tend to hear crickets when you ask a bold question. First of all, because the person, they might not have had a chance to think about it in advance, but also because it's a lot less psychologically safe to say something risky or bold in a group of five people than it is in a group of two or three, let alone a group of 15. When you go into small group, you gain courage. There's more candor, there's more risk-taking, there's more collaboration. And then the boldness of that dialogue in small group gets analyzed by the three. So you hear everyone's point of view in that group of three, and they come out with the best ideas to report back. When they report back, you're getting the best out of that room. Does that make, does that all, does that all make sense to you? It does. Yeah. And, and it really is almost feels like a charter in some respects. Uh, it talks about just, just being, you know, having more candor and, and, uh, and curiosity behind um, what people say and, and, and how they react, but also challenging people in the room to, to be a part of the dialogue versus having somebody just let people know what these meetings are about. Yep. 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 So that is I call that little activity a little superfood of collaboration. Mm. And now it's, it starts with the recontracting. We, do we really want to get the most out of this room? Do we really want to have bold inputs? Do we want to really want to uh, think more broadly, et cetera, right? So I, I want you to, to have that recontracting conversation, ask some of the critical questions you'll get in the handout, but then start those practices. So important. Um, I'll give you another practice. The other practice is a practice that you could do whether you go to breakout or not. It's a candor break. A candor break is in the middle of a meeting when you're having a conversation tomorrow. Why don't you stop and say, hey, let me just ask a question. What's not being said here that needs to be said? Like, what are we, what are we thinking but not saying? And that, that's a bold question for a leader because it's basically saying, we may be on a momentum, I may be dominating the room, but please disrupt us, right? Give me a curveball. And with that, you can either wait and I would say you will hear crickets at the beginning or you wait it out until the first person speaks and you might then think about who your boldest player is in the room and cold call them, you know, crickets, crickets, crickets. Well, Jane, what do you think? Come on, tell me what we're not saying. Tell me what people will say after this meeting that are not being said now. Pause. 
Now, the other thing is you go back to breakouts again. You could take a two-minute breakout where everybody um, goes into a small room of, of pairs and asks the question and comes back. Right? So it's such a powerful, powerful idea to practiceify the new social contract. Get yeah, just have time for just a couple more questions. And so I'm going to um, pose this one and, and I always enjoy the nuggets that come out of this. If, if, if you could boil down into just one thing that our listeners can get out of our conversation today and obviously, you know, picking up the book later and, and tor- tearing through that, you know, what's the one thing you want them to take away from that? Yeah, I would say you, you are a leader waiting to occur in ways that you haven't even imagined with a team that doesn't even know it yet. And you can start today by having a passion and a vision and instituting your ability to invite people in to go on that journey with you. But that requires a new contract, right? With that group of individuals that you can, you can recontract and I would say it's an awakening, I hope, for you to realize that we have been struggling and fatigued and fractured um, for many years, battling against matrixed organizations where people are saying, well, who has the authority? Who has the control? And the reality is no one. Stop asking. Go co-create. I love that. Keith Ferrazzi, thank you so much. If people, well, you've already given the the landing page on your website. Uh, let's maybe give that to us one more time. But also if there's anywhere else that you want people to follow you on social media, where can people find if they want to dig a little bit deeper into you? Yeah, well, I mean, everything is pretty much the same. Everything's at Keith Ferrazzi. So it's keithferrazzi.com forward slash leader chat. And, and I would love for you to go there and start the recontracting dialogue. Um, and then follow me on social media. I answer a lot of my own DMs over at Instagram, but my team is always available to answer any questions on LinkedIn and all those other platforms. And we put tons of content out just like um, Blanchard does. And I do have to say, I know Ken's going to listen to this. Yep. Um, you know, my deepest respect for what the Blanchard company and what Ken has done in his life for the world of leaders and leadership. And it's such a legacy and it's a legacy that keeps on giving. And he is, just, I'm so, I so admire the organization and people uh, like Vicky that it brings to this organization and yourself. And uh, Ken, uh, God bless you. Thank you. I love that, Keith. Very kind words. And, and uh, yeah, Ken's a very special person, and I'm very proud to be a part of this organization as well. But right now, I want to thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day and being a part of the Blanchard Leader Chat Podcast. And thank you for joining us for today's podcast. If you enjoyed this interview and like to learn more and also help us grow the audience, please subscribe to the Leader Chat Podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play, or wherever you're listening. And please share this with your friends. The best way you can help us grow, though, is feedback. As Ken Blanchard says, feedback is the breakfast of champions. So please write us a review if you haven't already. And by the way, this podcast is sponsored by the Ken Blanchard Companies. If you'd like to learn more, there's even a lot of free resources to better yourself and your organization. Go to KenBlanchard.com. You'll find all kinds of free tools and materials to help you and others grow. 
Thanks again to our guests for joining us today. For now, I have the pleasure of turning it over to Ken Blanchard for his thoughts on what we discussed. Here it is, your final minute with Ken Blanchard. Ken, I so appreciate your interviewing Keith Ferrazzi about his new book, Leading Without Authority. I've been a big fan of Keith's ever since his book, Never Eat Alone. And what he's doing here is he's pushing a concept about co-elevate, which is all about collaboration, which is, you know, how do we succeed together? And I just think it's fabulous because to me, the whole concept of top-down leadership is the thing of the past. And Keith is one of the people who's just reminding us of that truth. And listen to some of his sayings. They're really powerful to share with people in your organization. We is better than me. We win together. Those are really powerful. I always say none of us is as smart as all of us, or one plus one is greater than two. And I love this one line where he says, we need to cross the line together. How do you use your people and involve them in decision-making, making them feel that they can make a contribution? And boy, you will get a lot back uh, from them. And talking about crossing the finish line together, I'll never forget years ago, that story about the Special Olympics, a 100-yard dash, and these young kids are down at the line starting, and they all race when the gun goes off, and they're heading down. About halfway down, one of the kids trips and falls, and uh, two of the, the kids that are running see that he f- fell, and they stop, and they go back, and they help this kid up. The rest of the runners, they're continuing to race to the finish line. And they pick this kid up and they hold his hands and the three of them walked across the finish line together and the crowd went crazy, you know, because it really symbolized that we really, you know, do these things together. You know, we need to cross the finish line together, particularly if you're going to collaborate. And this is what Keith is talking about with leading without authority. Read this book, share the concepts with your people. I think you'll find it's fabulous. It's fabulous. 